0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ones Ready podcast. You're in not really the team room. We're in a, uh, a billeting or hotel room here uh, at the Academy. So not my favorite location, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. I brought my buddy from class. We're getting to that in a second. First of all, thank you for subscribing. I already thanked you, so don't make it weird. I already thanked you. So hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and go out and support us. Uh, but guest today, Brian Davis. I don't want to say your rank. That's weird because we're like friends, right? Yeah. From yeah. my class, but like Dude, super excited to have you on the podcast, and uh, Thanks for let's, having just, me. Uh, let's do the intros. Tell us about you.
1: Yeah, so Brian Davis, appreciate you having me, first and foremost. Um, I'm 17-year Air Force active duty. I've <laughs> uh, had a multiple array of AFSCs uh, from hydraulics, aircraft hydraulics on uh, C-17, C-5s. So went to recruiting, uh, came back to hydraulics for a couple years, and then got forced cross-trained phase three to uh, MQ-9s, which is a whole new venture. And uh, I'm currently sitting as a AMU assistant superintendent, which is a fancy word for an administrative specialist. EPR guru or performance report guru, if you will.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, first thing, uh, not to like jump off subject right away, but since our audience is mostly people that are thinking about joining, what do you mean force cross-trained? And is that something that happens on a regular basis? was it a bad experience? I don't know. i yeah. never
1: been forced No, 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 no. Absolutely. Great. Uh, great question. I love getting into these, uh, this discussion specifically because it's eye opening, but it's also unusual. So not unusual to cross train. Um, very unusual the way mine went down. So, um, I did recruiting, uh, as I told you, as we spoke about from 2012 to 2016, mm-hmm. um, was in Dover, went to Dover from Panama city. Uh, so recruiting Panama city, got an assignment to Dover, which was a whole nother venture in and of itself. Uh, during that year time frame, the first year in, I, I, I was uh, on the flight line majority of the time leaving a hydraulic shop uh, as a shift leader. We'd go on a couple of maintenance recovery teams to go get aircraft that are broken down within the, the global system, bring them back home. Uh, and then I went to expedite for the MXS, which is another unusual job, but we'll leave that as it is. Uh, and then one day I got an email uh, that said, congratulations from my purse, right, my personnel. And, and I deleted it. <laughs> and I said, well... Because, you know you always get those emails
0: yeah sorry my first folks <laughs> yeah yeah
1: you just always get those emails right so i went back into my deleted folder about five minutes later I said congratulations you've been uh selected for mandatory selected for mandatory uh, retraining i was like that's a good way to put it at first i thought it was flight engineer and i was like i don't know about that but that was just the example of what it could have been and it said uh two alpha 378 which uh, denotes for an air Force specialty code of rpa maintainer So remotely piloted aircraft. So I could either go on to an RQ-4, which is strictly surveillance, or an MQ-9 platform, which is ISR with combat capability. Um, So, yeah, right. And that's (laughs) so subsequently uh, I did ask, how did I get chosen? Because I was only in Dover for one year and one month and a few days. So there was 14 of us uh, hydraulic troops, two Alpha Sixes. And I was the youngest, not only the youngest one, but the youngest tenured on that base. Never got the answer. So um, definitely not upset about it. Uh, I think the whole new adventure was amazing. I went to Holloman for about 17 months and then had to move for medical purposes for the family up to Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, to Creech Air Force Base uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, Nevada. So great, great experience all around. I highly recommend Um, for your, your subscribers, people who are interested to ask the recruiter a little bit more about retraining and what's involved in it. Cause a lot of times to get into the air force, sometimes you got to take a job you're not familiar with, or you don't necessarily want, but first term airmen are always allowed 90% of the time allowed to, to, to retrain, right? Um, depending on criticality of a, if that's a word, criticality, Crit- it is now. it's, now. it's my word, <laughs> uh, the, cri- if it's a
0: critically manned career field or not, what that you're in. So right. But for the most part, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Lots of, to, lot to unpack there. Yeah. I got, I got a lot of questions. So like, if, if y'all aren't tracking in the class, one of my favorite things about being at the academy, maybe my, my only favorite thing about being at the academy is getting to know everybody else. Right. And so like, when you say things like hydraulics, I'm, I have no idea what that means. I'm I'm pretty ignorant. So like yeah. first job, right? Yep. What What yeah. does that entail?
1: So hydraulics, uh, craftsman or journeyman craftsman, uh, and then apprentice is the first stage. But anyway, so so Air Force has three level, five level, seven level. You have a hydraulics apprentice, which you're just learning the theory of hydraulics. How does How do we take fluid and put it on an area and make it move a large surface? Right. For right. an aircraft. So that's what kind of theory you we, we get into. And then not only do we know the theory of it, we need to understand how to troubleshoot. So everything from uh, hydraulic reservoirs to where we hold the fluid to actuators, to flight control modules, which port the fluid to, to the respective flight control surface. Right. Starting to get a yeah. little bit into it. But essentially, when you're flying, everything from your engine running to your gears moving, to your flight controls moving. Basically, you being in the air, that's the bloodline of, of an aircraft right. is hydraulics.
0: I mean, I've been on 53s before, and they say if they're not leaking, they're not flying. That's a C-5 for you, too. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. And yeah. that's all your hydraulic fluid and whatever else is in those lines as you slip out the back of the Right to put,
1: it, to put it into perspective, for a C-5 specifically, there are it's approximately, it could be give give or take, if anyone of a hydraulic specialty hears this, they'll probably slaughter me. But there is around 1,000 miles of hydraulic lines in a C-5. Jeez. a thousand miles
0: it's a fair bit
1: that's just, just a little grip so
0: troubleshooting can be uh, labor-intensive troubleshooting on c5s absolutely because of the age of the aircraft not
1: necessarily the miles and miles of the of the lines because lines don't inherently go bad right like you talking you're talking yeah. hardened lines don't inherently go bad um, it's the 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 brake um, I lost it. it's it been a while since i've, I've been on the aircraft like but, a friction uh, point or? no the um <laughs> yep the, I as I say in class that uh <laughs> that that what you call it no faults that flip for brakes um flight control surfaces, pitch trim actuator which is on the top of the t-tail the front of the t-tail goes down and up little things like that oh, man'm uh, servos we'll just you we'll call it a servo okay for now i'll probably get slaughtered on that one too
0: yeah <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair that's not your job anymore. yeah
1: yeah hey, i, I, don't I like dumped it, it. I, I went straight <laughs> over to um i probably know it right in the middle of this
0: uh this podcast and i'll just jump in you with wake it real up quick. at 3 a.m and be like I knew it. why am i so dang so like yeah, that, that's a lot. Is it uh, aircraft specific? Like, do you go to a tech school and know which aircraft you're going to get? And are you stuck with that aircraft or can you just move around and, like hydraulics is hydraulics?
1: Hydraulics is hydraulics. Um, at the end of the day, they never shredded out hydraulics like they did for MQ-9, RQ-4, or some of the bombers, crew chiefs like that. So whenever we, whenever I was taking my SKTs, you had to have, know everything from a C-5 to a helicopter to... Excuse me. To... Um, uh, when we were testing for our next rank, you had no job knowledge from anything from helicopters to a back shop that works on off-equipment parts. So the parts that need to be overhauled, actuators taken apart, resealed, put right. back together, to C-5s, to fighters, and all, all everything in between. So
0: it was a interesting
1: test we had to take when you never worked on said aircraft. So
0: And the, the guys that go in write, or folks that go in write your SKT tests, obviously they're they're victims of their own experience, but they do a pretty good job of spreading the peanut butter out over everything. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then obviously for for the guys who are coming in, they start learning about how to how to test take correctly for the uh, the weighted airman program uh, for the testing that MKTS that's in the back. I do believe that's what it's called MKTS. A bunch of acronyms. I don't
0: know. You right? Air Force better not that it
1: that it shows the 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 amount of questions. Yeah. for PDG for the PDG specifically, the professional development guide uh, our skills knowledge testing. Yeah, they they do. Uh, we you get the master your 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 CDCs. Yeah, um,
0: I think yeah. we do a pretty good job of like telling our guys where specifically ish we got all the data, the data from. Excuse me for our yeah. questions. Yeah, and so then they're not like running through JP's. You know, like it's like, hey, I pulled this out of this. Like, where? I don't know, man. Go find it. This one piece of information where I pulled a question, from right. you know, We like we narrow down to a couple pages or subject, right? And that way they're not. Trying to memorize, you know, you know ginormous documents. Yeah.
1: We've done, a, I think the Air Force as a whole has done a lot better job over the years to, to get to that spot. Um, for two Alpha Threes, for my NCOs, the RPA mechanics, right. uh, they did a complete uh, CDC rewrite. So when they did that, they're like, well, there's gonna be two years without y'all doing anything. Right, like without y'all without y'all testing, but then it two years became three years and now we're at year four, I think. I do believe. I could be a little bit off. So well they introduced it to saying, Hey, you need to learn these things in the in the twenty one one oh one, which is our AFI, our Air Force instruction, it's the, the maintenance bible is what we call it, right? every every AFSC has their own has Bibles. Bible. Yep. That's our Bible. And then uh 0020-1, which is a TO, technical order publication, which goes over inputting jobs into our maintenance informational system. we getting way deep into the woods, but yeah. there's a lot, right? They, they did provide accurate data for them to review and study in order to be successful in the test.
0: There we go. Good. So, All right. So you are in hydraulics. Mm-hmm. Loved it.
1: I did. I, I absolutely love the C, C-17. I almost said C-5. That would have gotten me. No. What's wrong with the C-5? C5 is called Fred. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> I'm learning
1: stuff. Yeah. Did you you ever heard of that acronym? No. So for people at home uh, or in their cars and it's turned up, uh, turn it down if you have anyone with shy ears. But Fred has been, it's been around, C5 has been around since the 60s and it's called a fucking ridiculous economical disaster.
0: I mean, that's just a fact. That's a fact, yeah.
1: right? I mean, it just is what it is, but no, it's a... Uh, has a horrible mission reliability rating which means how often it meets the missions that are assigned to it its worldwide capability rate is horribly down which is how w- where it's at worldwide right like the amount of, of of C5 aircraft that are broken or capable of doing worldwide missions at any any time way down C17s are, are great they have a high reliability rate over 80 85% the last I saw, been a couple of years since I've been on them but yeah yeah, so no, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Went to Iraq for a couple of weeks. Got to actually really experience what um what that kind of war was like. Just fixing a couple aircraft. Went out there to fix a couple aircraft to come home. But during that time, a, a nose gear, so the strut blew out. You know, there's seals and struts, and the struts and the seals themselves rolled over when the aircraft landed, and it blew out hydraulic fluid all over the ramp. That aircraft was assigned to be a medevac. So once we figured out. What had happened, we saw fluid on the ramp and then it exploded on the, like it just started pouring. But by that time, they're so quick with those medevacs, as you've seen before, that all these guys who were barely clinging on to life in Balad in 2007, yep. were, they're already loaded. So that really was my first experience. I get still chill bumps uh, because when we told the, the pilot, he looked at me and because I was the subject matter expert as an A1C, Like I'm brand new five level. He's like, Davis, what do we need to do? I said, "Sir, this plane can't go anywhere." And he looked at all of us. He said, "Everyone, get these bodies, get these, get these soldiers, Marines, Navy off this aircraft." They unloaded an aircraft that was getting loaded right next to us, and we hand carried litters with medical over to that other aircraft. And all of us together set up. So, as you know, and you know, just to inform the, uh, the the audience: C 17s also are, are used as medevac aircraft. They have every capability to be a medica- medevac aircraft.
0: There's not much the seventeen can't do.
1: Yeah, barrel awesome. rolls are not preferred on C seven, even though it was a pressurized system for hydraulics. But yeah, no, that really opened my eyes to the importance of, uh, honestly, the combat community, the, the 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 people who really go out and do the things uh, that we support. You know, so
0: yeah, but the to make a point there because we the, the multi-capable airman thing, we've heard about it here a bunch. We've we've spoken about it, and we all have. <laughs> different levels of opinions on it. Right. But I've never been in a situation around any other service member where something absolutely had to be done, especially if like people's lives are on the line right. where everybody wasn't pitching in and doing everything possible outside of their, their set to get it done. Right. Yep. And so I think sometimes when we think about that and, and even, you know, someone said it the other day, it's a mindset. Yep. And so like we're we're, as we think about these like new buzzwords and all this other stuff, yep. it's like, Hey man, like if you've seen it, like you know what it is, and you know that for the the workers out there, like we we got it; it's already there, right? Like so, I, I just sometimes I get confused about where where it doesn't exist. So the, the sorry, that's a left turn. No, no,
1: no, because it, it's funny you say that for the MCAs, multi-capable airmen, or MCAs, as we'll, we'll call it from here on out. We'll give. I'll start giving them a, a pre-acronym, and then yeah, we'll I'll use the, I'll use the acronym um, just like in our, our background papers, right? <laughs> So um, multi-capable airmen, it's all about how you, as you said, unpack it. What what does it mean to us? What does it mean to your career field as opposed to mine and vice versa and to others? The way I perceive what General Brown and Chief Bass are saying is that war isn't a maybe anymore. It's it's becoming more and more likely, not maybe or perhaps or could. It's likely with near peers. And there's gonna come a time that, you know, we're gonna to have to do things well outside of our, our our comfort zone, whether it be me pick up a, a, an M4 in the event of North Korea invading South Korea, right? When I go over there in February, it, it's a real possibility. I understand that as a 17 year, um, you know, master sergeant soon to be senior, uh, but our, our airmen, I don't think understand it. And they need to really understand that, that it's not just about your job. It's about you being an airman as a whole.
0: Right. So. Well, let me check something real quick. It's going nuts. Okay. I just want to make sure that the mic was on and that'd we weren't done. just talking. Yeah. We were like, recording. Be that'd be <laughs> awesome. But like that, I mean, that's just a culture thing, right? And I mm-hmm. dude, I don't think that our culture has changed. I think we're, we're quick to jump on, you know, the, the next generation and, and, and make judgment calls about them because they're not exactly the way that we remember ourselves, which may or may not be accurate. The, the right. level... I don't think a lot of us spend a lot of time thinking about how often we complained about stuff and how many times an NCO had to come along and kick us in the the behind or slap you in the head. Yeah, yeah I remember and, that and fix you up. Right, yeah. so I don't know. I, I just I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about I'm I'm optimistic about our culture. I yeah. think it's fine in the next generation. But yeah. that was kind of a left turn.
1: Um, you leave hydraulics. I did. So I was in hydraulics for six years. I was in Charleston for the first couple. Oh dang! And then I got assigned. Yeah, you know, beautiful. It was. It's a whirlwind, right? So for for your audience as well, the the prospective uh, future airmen, your first couple of years are a whirlwind in the in the Air Force, especially if you do. I can only imagine um, special tactics airmen um, at the pipeline, and you're getting pulled every which way. Everything's a, a blur. But it was blur for me, right? For my first twenty 28 months, so I got assigned to. Um, uh, Spangdahl in Germany uh, in the en route, which en route uh, for, uh, for the air forces, where aircraft stop on the way to their final destination to drop off goods, uh, beans, bullets, people. Got it. And then they come back through, they get refueled, and they go back home. That's just a constant perpetual cycle. Beautiful. Some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life in those four years, we that's when um, we did the surge into Iraq and Afghanistan, and then the subsequent Libya, um, Benghazi, happened when I was in Spangdahlem. And that's when the F-16 unit from Spangdahlem ginned up, and we were loading everything and going, right? So quick turn, air, aircraft land, and got to leave within five hours. And we had five people on shift for 10 aircraft a day, 15 aircraft that would come through a day, trying times. So I was a little bit worn out. And after those four years uh, in Germany, I clicked the button or we used to do the old school facts in our our uh, <laughs> our uh, application to be a recruiter.
0: We don't have enough time to explain fax machines.
1: Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> no, that's all you need to know. But yeah, went and applied to be a recruiter and got accepted right before the, the, the developmental special duty came out. So. Right. Cool. How was recruiting? recruiting is definitely unique. I miss it. It's absolutely necessary. You have to have a you have to have a charismatic mindset or you're going to struggle. Now, keep in mind, I was in Panama City, Florida. So I was struck. It was such a struggle bus being on the beach, you know, and going to zone campus and go fish a little bit, you know. We feel bad for you. Yeah, it's tough life. Extra $450 a month. (laughs) So no, great, great experience. And that was a four year stint as well. So,
0: okay. Um, Well, I mean, enthusiasm. Isn't that the thing? Boy, over to the schoolhouse. boy
1: are we enthusiastic. <laughs> that is, I'll never get that out of my head, unfortunately.
0: Who uh, You mentioned it in class the other day, which I thought was funny. We talk about recruiters and uh, perceptions. Right. Um, recruiters lie, is the perception. Allegedly. But someone brought up something, and you actually, like, hyped up. You're like, that's the only thing I thought I might have lied about in yeah. my entire recruiter career, and thank goodness I didn't lie about it. Yeah, for the dog
1: handlers—that's a oh, good thing for security forces. forces. Dog handlers. I would always ask; they would always ask me. They, as in the the young applicants, and I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Always, I would always say, "You have the opportunity." Yeah. So it's a real <laughs> recruiters work in a gray area of verbiage. Right? We're very hard set on certain things. You don't—you're not inappropriate with your with your applicants, you know, things like that. Right? Yeah. But as far as when you sell the Air Force, you're honest, but you but you use. Use broad brushstroke words, so you'll have the opportunity. You could perhaps go here if this assignment is open. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was the one that I was always wondering about. But no, I never had a lot of the to the to the prospective future airmen. I just told them my experiences, and I told them up front if I had the job or I didn't, or you're going to have to wait a year, or you're just not going to join at all. So uh, we also did battlefield airmen. At that time, we didn't have uh, what's what we called y'all, y'all battlefield. <laughs> Airmen, special tactics, airmen, everything that ranged from EOD, TACP, special ops, weather, or we called it SALT at the time. Yep. To combat controller and para rescue, and we would do the uh, the practice test. I'm sure you've spoken about the practice te- the past tests.
0: Yeah, it's called the IFT now.
1: The IFT Initial, what is it?
0: Initial fitness test. Yeah.
1: And I saw some guys throw up, pass out, uh, almost drown. <laughs> uh, all while a couple good old now retired CCTs were like, "Hey, get out! <laughs> come on, come, <laughs> come on. on, you done. you're out." So, no, very, very good time, and I um, actually put in one PJ and two TACPs and one EOD. The EOD young man that I put in um, won 12 Outstanding Airmen of the Year at oh. a Hill Air Force Base. So when I saw him, i I'll leave his name out of it. I'm not sure if he wants to get called out, uh, get a shout-out, but amazingly hard-working young man. Went from being a PJ in the pipeline or pre-pipeline, and right. they're like, hey, the – I forgot that test that that y'all take. Basically, ask you if, if you had a choice, if, if you had to decide whether kicking a dog or kicking your mom, which one would it do? Oh, would, like would one of the
0: personality correct? tests.
1: Correct. And they're like, "Hey, you're you're not going to make it through PJ training. Like it's a hundred percent attrition for people with your scores, but your high, uh, very low percent attrition for EOD. Would you like to do it? And he chose it, and he passed, and that twelve outstanding airmen <laughs> of the year. That's weird. so that that's what drove me in recruiting, and I really enjoyed. 161 people I put in in four years. Uh, don't know how many are still, <laughs> Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I pride myself yeah. on, on at least doing a little bit. So,
0: well, obviously you remember a fair amount of those folks. Like you build a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, the, so obviously the, the battlefield airman types, was there anything about them? The ones that were successful that stood out to you more than the, the ones that showed up and, and weren't successful? Drive. Yeah.
1: Drive. Never quit. No matter how bad things got, you could tell because I would ask them when they came and did recruiters' assistance with me, is how did you do it? TACP. P. TAC P. is still a hard pipeline to go it's through, um, and the guys that did it, they just had they had it. You know, there's a, there's a certain thing with special tactics airmen. Obviously, there can always be one or two that make it through that you're like, how the hell I'm did you right get here? here? Yeah, you don't. Have yeah. To, yeah. I'm at you right now <laughs> at Trent. <laughs> but no, there's um, it's. It's just unique their 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 attitudes, like Cameron Haynes or you know David yeah. Goggins. It's like I'm not freaking quitting. Like go ahead and crap on me all you want, and I think that's. I imagine what, from what I, when I talk to some of your your buddies and your counterparts are like, yeah, as long as you don't quit, you know, you can make it through. You just have to have a little bit of smarts sometimes,
0: a little bit helps. and a no quit attitude, right? So, yeah. well, the the discipline, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the things that we run into a lot is the folks that. Um, you know, that they start motivated and we we're talking about this with other stuff in class today. I think yeah. uh, one of our, our people was talking about it and it's like, oh, at some point along the way, these people lose their motivation or whatever else. And I, that's why I, I piped up in class. I'm not sure if anybody understood really what I was trying to say, but I had to get it out of my brain. I'm like, well, it, they need the discipline. Right. Right. Because like your motivation will, will wax and wane. But if you have mm-hmm. that discipline and that no quit attitude, no matter what you get into, because like it, I, it's, it's funny, I listen to you guys talk about your job in the classroom. I'm like, bro, that is rough. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you can't be out there on the flight line and just be like feeling sorry for yourself all the time. You got to have like a reason to keep going and that discipline to, to just get the mission done. Yeah.
1: And that's a, that's what is missing in a lot of airmen's minds. They, they don't understand what the mission is about because supervisors don't take the time to not all, but, a lot of the times, you know, supervisors are so busy with their own, you know, jobs that they're having to accomplish yeah. that the airmen, either they don't know or they don't seek out information of what, what at the end of the kill chain, the proverbial kill chain for heavies, it's a lot harder to, to really, to really put into a, you know, into a package with infunans it's, it's very easy, especially during the height of the, uh, us destroying ISIS. Yeah, which I was deep into in Kuwait, which was uh, awesome. So let's do it. That's a segue. So already explained. I'm a little segue into there. Already explained how RPA came to be. I get to Holloman Air Force Base. Great assignment. Love Holloman. Everyone, for everyone that is 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 worried about Holloman Air Force Base or Cannon, first off, go to Holloman. Don't go to Canon. <laughs> but. <laughs> Holloman, yeah. Holloman and his cannon is an amazing you get that's almost an unlimited pot of money for even the maintainers out there so god it might not be the greatest location per se but you're in the middle of everything Colorado's north of you it is what you make of it you got Santa Fe over there Taos the um saddle Roswell you know and go see some weird aliens yeah uh, but yeah I loved Holloman I love the area I love the just the location and the, and the mission so uh, volunteered. Uh, I had a line number for E7, and we had a copious amount of E7s, E7 Select, so I asked to go and uh, to be an expediter to, to push maintenance uh, in Kuwait. I was given the green light to do that, went over there, sewed on E7 while I was over there, and then sat in uh, one of my really good buddies, uh, Cody Behran. He uh, took me under his wing. He was my pro- production superintendent, which manages flight line maintenance, and he allowed me to be the, uh, the pseudo production superintendent. So we learned a lot, but with that, we were also connected to the ops. So the ops is the, the, the aircraft pilot sensor operator. So the pilot flies, the aircraft, the sensor operator manages the, uh, the, the sensor, which is the, 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 the ball, the,
0: the camera, the systems, all yep. the other stuff. That- yep.
1: So it, it's valued at, it's the most expensive part on the aircraft, like singular part on the aircraft. It's valued at between the old models or, South of 2 million, the newer models are close to 3 million, um, just for that ball. Um, Don't drop that. Do not drop that ball. <laughs> uh, right. So, yeah, so we, we were very, we were intimately close work-wise with these guys. Um, so we got to see UVIDS, you know, and got to see the the action of yeah. what our aircraft would do. So we would load them up with four Hellfires, which are AGM-114s, and they vary of, of what they can do. They have time delay fuses, they have air fuses, and they have impact. So we, we would have variations on there, and then we would have uh, also so four AGM uh, on each loadout, and then one 500-pound uh, GBU, which is the guided bomb unit. Nice. It would be a GBU-38 is what we used on those, which is GPS, uh, not laser, not the big old pointy out the front. We had a handful of times they came back Winchester, which Winchester means empty. Yeah, and we knew when they came back empty that we had some fun to watch. Uh, we had an album, uh, no pun intended, called "The Greatest Hits." There you go. So, and but it, it really, it really allowed our airmen to see what what we were doing to further the America's national interest and and, and protect people in Syria and in in Iraq. You know.
0: Yeah, you get that direct you know, battlefield effects. Like you just watched it take off
1: Yeah,
0: and it comes back Winchester. You watch the video. Yeah. And then if you heard the story about behind it, you know, like we had people on the ground X, Y, and Z was going down. These are the yeah. exactly what happened. Like, Hey, it's, it, it can be, I would say it's not fun to watch this, but if you look on YouTube, anybody that's like, Oh, like that's sick. Like yeah. those videos get millions of views. So yeah. obviously it's, it's pretty popular. Um, but like, you know, you're saving people by killing. We talk about it all the time, saving people by killing people you know, and, and getting after the mission. So that's going to be, you know, I think that'd be pretty rewarding. Yeah.
1: So uh, I'll, I'll key in. I think it was Curtis LeMay uh, during World War II who stated, you'd rather take out, right, for Japan when you nuke the civilian population. You kill 2 million people, but it's going to save 10, 10 million people's lives. I forgot what he, w- what verbiage he used, but basically it was... For the sake of humanity, that we're going to go ahead and tear him up. I think he wanted to tear up a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> which I think he wanted to go in, into China. on his. Child, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a little bit wild with that cigar, but um, yeah. So a couple of examples. I know you you said you wanted to hear a few examples of what we had seen. So we had one that um, um, a gentleman was uh, going through a palm field, so running running parallel to palm trees, and he was carrying an RPG. Okay. And we had them in white hot. So for white hot, the infrared white hot. And they got the non-line, which I don't know if you've ever explained to people what a non-line is, but uh, they got the non-line to where they go up to the head. uh, The head, I think it's usually an 06 minimum saying, Hey, yep. Take, take that individual out. Um, They got the non-line and you see what you see is, as you see a little red box, I believe it says laser des. Yeah. And
0: it,
1: and it shakes the ball shakes. And that's when, you know, a, a hellfire shot shoots off. Yeah. So then, all it is is sit there and wait, but it varies. It varies between a couple miles away from the individual to upwards of twenty miles away
0: from. Them. Holy cow! So
1: where, yeah, this the, these things are these things are very insane, which we can get into in a second when you know when we go into Ukraine and, and what we can do over there or what we will be doing. Um, anyway, we sit, 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 wait, wait, wait. This man just stops for a second. The sensor stops on it or the camera, mm-hmm. and the missile hits him on the top of the head and splits him in half. <laughs> and he just stays right there and he crump, but essentially like crumples, but folds. Right. And that's called a banana split. <laughs> so that's, that's what we designated that one as we had a, um, we had a really bad dude on a motorcycle that we blew up. We, I think we caught the backside of him though. Oh. And so it didn't kill him all the way. So he's sitting there. Uh, we were like, "Oh man, yeah, put this guy out of his misery." Well, they yeah. zoom in and they they see a they see a a, a light come up. And they're like, what, "What's this? What's this?" The, the color variation changed, so they zoomed in the really good cameras, and the guy's flipping us off from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so then he shortly thereafter like the he expired. Yeah. At least he kept his energy, yeah, you yeah. know, all the way through I the end. It. So he uh, he expired soon thereafter, um, and then. Yeah. One, one more was a guy got hit. Um, he crawled throughout the street uh, while they were getting another nine line on him and hit him, I do believe, with a time delay fused. Uh, that's probably all that we had left. I don't I don't recall the exact, yeah. but his head was down in to the ground. Oh. Like no longer, no longer, Ostrich. no longer. Ahead, but he was no longer crawling. I can tell you that. So, yeah, this platform—I say all that to say—I have have dozens of other stories, but I say all that to say this platform um, to make it very, very clear. People call it drone a drone. An MQ9 Reaper is not a drone. It's an unmanned aerial vehicle. There is always someone behind the trigger. It doesn't kill people indiscriminately, right? Um, So, there are obviously times where wrong actions happen but that's with any airframe awesome. any weapon system from a human all the way up to you know an aircraft uh as as seen in the final days of afghanistan there was a major mistake made yeah so
0: that, um, i think that's a whole nother podcast
1: that is That is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no very interesting
0: yeah no but like I, I i dig sitting in class with you because you talk about other, oh i had i did have a question Do you guys ever <laughs> yeah. hear those stories though about like the the dudes on the ground overall mission impacts like do you guys get the the board that says everything that happened and no and- no um so with there's a lot of times
1: that you you or some of your buddies are around mm-hmm. like we'll even see y'all sometimes but we don't get feedback as far as what y'all are doing unless we have to really dig it out or or see it on the news four days later or, or now right twelve hours later after a um, clandestine operation has occurred super um, secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah! It had quick, 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 quick. Uh, uh, everyone thought we were the ones to get Soleimani, and we're like, no, we we were not. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit good, like
0: cool, yeah, cool man.
1: Yeah, got him, but uh, was not us. So, okay.
0: but I think one of the things that comes across in class.
1: Is- oh, let me be clear: was not us as far as my unit that I was attached to in in, right. in Kuwait. We have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea who but, but it wasn't our guys.
0: Yeah. Uh. You, you really love your job it seems like and, and, and you know what I mean like so there are people that talk about their jobs and complain about it a little bit but like when you get going on on your work and all the things that go into it and how much work you're willing to put in you know to move these systems around and to make them happen and, and just like loving the mission set it, it really comes through so like overall like how how rewarding how difficult is the job you know like because maintenance is it's, it's it's tough yeah like that's what I'm hearing obviously I've never done it yeah. Maintenance
1: uh, is maintenance. Yeah. So there's always going to be maintenance. We'll always stay duly impl- employed. That's the one thing is aircraft maintenance will never be done by a robot. There's certain things there's certain areas that you have to get in and do. You have to also have pa- passion to, to fix aircraft and to know that you're, you're, you're putting an aircraft back in the sky, whether it's a civilian airline or to support, uh, to support America and our national interests. Um, I wouldn't say it's difficult. The difficult parts, people, okay. right? People are difficult. Finding motivation factors are difficult. Um, performing the job isn't difficult. Um, the The MQ-9 airframe in and of itself is super easy. Uh, you break it down. The, the aircraft is only uh, 30, 33, 34 foot long by 66 foot wide. Um, some of my best maintainers, uh, and I say my maintainers, they're my team. Like I, you know, I just happen to make a little bit more money than them. They are some of the... Uh, most amazing hard workers you've ever seen. They can take apart an aircraft, put it in a box, have it ready for air for airlift within 24 hours. Jeez. So we can, that's what's so good about this, the agility hey. of this aircraft there is uh, is that it's, it can be used anywhere around the world. Honestly, within, I'd say less than five days, it could go from um, Africa to Japan within five days if it didn't need to be reconstituted back back in the United States.
0: Okay, so that would be like a, on a schedule, you have to send it yeah. back and just rehash, whatever.
1: Right, yeah, get, get some things done, get some major inspections done. Um, but yeah, just a, a green, a green, like fully mission-capable aircraft. You could pack it up, move it to, say, Indopaycom, uh, and then have it ready, ginned up within, I'd say, five days, six days. Easy, as long as everything hits its mark.
0: Yeah, but you say it's not hard, but I think it's, it's easy for you to say that. You're 17 years in. Yeah. You have a right. breadth of experience. Right. So you're like, ah, it's not hard. But like a, a new airman showing up, like what are the challenges that you're going to see with someone straight out of school?
1: Um, That's a good question. Know how. Knowing how to – that's why you have your seven levels. That's why you have your staff, your senior airman. Excuse me. Your senior airman, your, e, your staff sergeants, and your tech sergeants. So E4s through E6s. More specifically, e4s and the e5s are, are the core of our of our maintenance community. Without those, without those two ranks, we would never we would cease to exist. Because God knows you don't want me out there uh, <laughs> turning wrenches anymore. No, they the, the the e3s and below are just understanding how to perform the job in and of itself. Because just because you have a technical order, which we call TOs, which shows you step by step and pictures, it's army proof. Uh, for all my (laughs) army guys out there, but it shows you how to do the job. That's not always exactly how you do the job. So it's, it's know how Um, it's experience that they lack, but with the airmen that are above them with the right attitude and the right motivation, these guys get it like that. You only have to break this thing down a a handful of times to really understand understand it. The engine's a little bit different. The engine, you know, obviously takes a little bit more technical expertise to understand a few classes, but that's why we put them through classes to really understand the aircraft, the inner workings and how to take it apart and put it back together.
0: Nice. Cool. Um, I think it's a hard job. And I I know like, um, for my community, I think sometimes we come across as a little bit standoffish. Uh, you know, when, when you like, you're rolling back through Al Udeed, after rotation Mm -hmm. and you, you go to the chow hall or you're sitting in the, the bra, the bra. I remember that. And then there's folks that are, that are stationed there and, and no offense to them, but they're, they're like sit in office and Mm -hmm. do their job and they're out there complaining. And I get it that their job has its own challenges, but like you, you kind of, you I don't think we're elitist. But, like, I don't have a lot in common with that person. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, but, like, that that satisfaction of, of working really hard and putting yeah. in those hours, like, that breeds a, a kind of, like, a a, a culture mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm sure maintainers can come across as uh, not just a little bit crass at times. But, you know, like, thinking we're a little bit better than you. Slightly but, like, arrogant. I, I, Slightly. But it's just a perception, right? But, yeah. like, you're just proud of, like, when you put in a, a 14, 18-hour day. Yeah. And, and Airman Snuffy is complaining about the eight hour day they put in an office. And I get it. It's, it's not the easiest job in the world, but it's just like, it breeds a different kind of person. Yeah.
1: No, it does. That's a great point. Everyone's job is, everyone's job is valuable. Right. But everyone's job is not equally as valuable. And I, and I hate, I, I, it, it might, it might hurt some feelings for an admin troop that hears it, but. I would venture to say at the end of the day, you know, our customer at the end of the day, very end of the day for the MQ-9s, our special tactics, Army units, Marines, Navy, um, but more so it's the pilot. So we're presenting an aircraft, customers, so we're customer service really at the end of the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we can make it in tough times without an administrative troop doing EPR pushes. Uh, So not saying, not taking anything away from their job, but there's just levels of value that we have. So without a maintainer working on the aircraft and getting it up in the air, the special tactics airmen on the ground wouldn't have this aircraft. Now, that's not the same to say that a, uh, you know, again, a finance person is absolutely needed. That could be subcontracted by, uh, and by the way, my wife is finance. She's going to hear this and she's going to slap the (laughs) shit out of me. But so uh, just FYI. But it's a risk of it, one it, it happens. I, I've been hit worse by her before. All right. Y'all, <laughs> y'all if y'all to hear from me anymore, y'all, y'all report me missing. But yes, it it, it doesn't, the, the value and worth of a maintainer.
0: I don't know if it's, it's value. It, it's, it's, no, maybe not value. Maybe I'm hitting it's on the wrong. the amount of energy you have to put in. I, I, it's hard to explain. It's right? the importance
1: of the subset of jobs within the Air Force. Every airman is as a person is equally as important. I, I don't want to take away from a yeah, person. Yeah but the job in and of itself of an aircraft maintainer or special tactics airmen, you know, these guys that are on the, the getting up towards the tip of the spear as special tactics is we're, 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 we're below, I mean, we're not fighting people, but we're providing those assets. Yeah. And that's what keeps my airmen going. And I tell them, I'm like, y'all, y'all are the best. Like y'all, y'all are the best. Y'all are maintainers. Y'all are putting these aircraft in the air and y'all are saving people's lives directly. You're, you're, you're three, three ish stops behind the kill chain. Yeah. Really? So the next spot is pilot and then you,
0: you Yeah. Know, so no, I I love everybody. Like, obviously like I'm a people person, like yeah. everybody I meet in the air force, I, I dig their job, but like, I just, I think I recognize some of that, you know, that, that mentality. Right. When, when you guys are in class and talking about your stuff and there's that, that pride that comes along with it. And I think that's something that is hard to see from the civilian side is it's like, Oh, well you're like a, you work on aircraft. Like what, what do you get out of it? But like, right. I see it in class every day. Like when you actually talk about your job and we're not, you know, veering off into whatever else that is taking left turns,
1: taking four left turns squirrel. Yeah.
0: So yeah, man. And and one of the things that surprised me is, is is hearing you and and one of the other guys talk is how, how mobile you guys really are, like how Mm -hmm. agile you are, like your guys' stories about like how many places you've been and how many operations you affect. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Like how, how how often do you blow out to just go get a mission done?
1: Yeah. To keep it on class. It's a, there's a lot of things in works always, right? With testing evaluation squadrons and things like that. So I'll leave it at that. Like the, for, for future MQ 9 capabilities, but no one's, no one should be unaware of the ACE concept that is in the Air Force or that is coming in as an agile combat employment to where we can move, we can move and keep the enemy uh, unaware of what we're doing at any given time. And we're really going to be employing that with the MQ non's coming out. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hard go. There, there's always roadblocks, but the one thing that I can tell you with the Air Force is that we continue to always uh, either break those roadblocks or just tumble right over them, and then we get back on our feet and we go. So um, this this aircraft has the ability to uh, land in multiple lo- multiple locations. You know, um, uh, it's. Very, very, uh, its ability to move freely is, is very good. Has a, has a pretty good signature in the air, but that, you know, as we saw in Libya, <laughs> but, you
0: know,
1: when, when that thing went tumbling down, but yeah, uh, sometimes it happens.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, no, I, I think it's pretty rad. Um, I think I'm gonna do an ad read real quick though. Okay, because yeah. you guys go everywhere, what do you need everywhere? You know, like what do you, what do you gotta to have to keep going? Like, you're out there on the flight line, it's super hot, and I got the answer, surprisingly, it's hoist. Hoist is IV level hydration. It's yeah. got great flavors, and it's a company that we work with, and I absolutely love. So if I haven't given you a hoist yet. I will. I do need one. I'm a I'm a bad yeah. friend. Yeah, I was wondering where we were going with that. I was getting excited and nervous at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, you see me. Uh, I drink all kinds of stuff in the classroom. It's usually in my, my my jug. But yeah, you know, staying hydrated. It is one of those things where you meet different people and you you connect with them and their products or their services. And all the companies that we hang out with, you know, obviously, I think the world of them. So, yeah. Poist, love you. Uh, use the code ready at checkout. Get yourself a discount. It's your first yeah. ad read that you've ever done on a podcast, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, that's yeah I'm excited. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah.
1: It's a new, new world
0: for us. <laughs> I think I I think you should actually be hosting your own podcast. I think you're better at this than I. Maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll see one day. I'll get me one of these little fancy microphones. It's not that fancy. Yeah. So uh I mean, what where where do you go from here? You're your 8 Select. Mm-hmm. Working on MQ9s. Um, where does the aircraft go or, or what's next for you? Like what does it look like as you move up the chain? Uh, Cuz it's a little bit different for every AFSC. Yeah, a lot of similarities, yeah. but sometimes a little bit different.
1: Yeah, so my plan, I was I was or my future, not my plan. Is My future is um, Kunsan Air Force Base, South Korea. I'll be the sortie generation superintendent, which means it's a very fancy word for I'm going to be the individual in charge of maintenance on the aircraft, the main individual, uh, the lead production superintendent. So you got sortie generation super, like like production superintendents, and you have the main production superintendent, which I will be. So I'll be managing F-16. Uh, aircraft, which is going to be a fighter aircraft, which I've never been on. I'll be frank with you. Like I'm I'm usually pretty, uh, I'm always pretty frank. I've never been accused of being quiet or passive, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's a little bit, uh, Gonna be a challenge for me a
0: little bit of trepidation
1: yeah wh- whatever that means well, i'm gonna take that <laughs> as offensive because i don't know what it means but it, <laughs> yeah i'm a little bit uh i'm a little bit nervous about it i'm not gonna lie to you but uh i, I always take everything i think the reason why I've, I've gone where i've gone in my career albeit not without you know little little dips little and, bumps. And, and bumps in the road um making it to where i'm at in, the, in a time frame is to uh is, is always having that that can-do attitude and and being motivated and taking care of my airmen. So that's, that's really at the end of the day, what I want to do is go over there, take care of the mission and the airmen simultaneously. Cause you take care of your airmen, that mission is going to happen. Yeah. So, and then from there, I already have my follow on assignment, which is where I'm going after the one year tour. And it's going to be Hill Air Force Base, Utah.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Beautiful. It's pretty Elk Hunt central now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. there Black is. Rifles out there, their headquarters. Good
1: deal. Yeah. Oh, I love Black Rifle. I have their little uh, K-Cups right now.
0: I bought them down at Old Bass Pro the
1: freedom roast
0: JT. The fact that you're not paying us for how often we talk about black rifle is a little hurtful. So
1: Brian Davis loves black. Rifle, <laughs>
0: uh, But you know, that that's another thing that I get from you in class is, is how much you, you care about your people. And for, if you're not tracking, I don't want to bash senior NCOA, Right. But some of the things that we talk about, yeah. I think sometimes at least I take a little bit personally because mm-hmm. the, the curriculum comes at you. Like that's not something that you're doing is taking care of your people. You know, like, Right. I'm like, do I really need to be learning this? Because I think that everybody that I work with, we do a pretty good job of taking care of our people. And like, if we see something wrong, you know, you know how to deal with it. So, uh, but I mean, I definitely get that from you that you're, you're all about the people.
1: Yeah. There's frustrations within the class. I always come into these classes with a, uh, the clear mind, open eyes. But when we hear certain, certain, Keywords, or, 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 you know, the, the, what, what did you call them? Power words or, 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 or buzzwords. The, the buzzword is the buzzword. I had to steer away, as you heard me a few times, from should. No, senior NCOs, senior non-commissioned officers must already know this information. Right. This class must be a class, not should. This class must be just a class to network and for people to understand different shortfalls of other career fields and maybe to even get a few more tools in their toolbox. Unfortunately, right now, I don't I think it's, I think, it, I think it's slightly missing a mark, but the positive part of that is, is that this senior NCOA Academy and the instructors and their commandant are so open to feedback yeah. and I'm excited to see what happens in the future because I think they're going down the right route. Yeah. I don't to know what shade of color I am. If I'm an orange, blue, green, or, Gold purple? or purple. I, I forgot, right? The shades of the, the, the shades of the air force or, or who I am or the OODA loop, the observe or uh, orient, observe decide act or, you know, yeah. so yeah, I, uh I agree with you, man. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm happy about the people I met or I've met and I've developed relationships with and understood because also it's, it's not really an open forum for everyone to speak as well, even though it's presented that way. I, I wish it would be more, because it comes across as if people are nervous or offended of, of whatever conversations we might have, right? We'll keep them in the classroom, but they don't speak up. And yeah. But that's what's needed. Just because I'm loud, obviously, people are on this podcast, but this, this freaking guy is loud. No, I dig it. I can't help it. I was told that today by somebody. I was like, holy moly, dude. Yeah, I know. I've been, I've been around myself for a number of years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, aware. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, I gave him the cast. I was like, <laughs> Oh, what do you mean? But, um, yeah, man, it, it, my hope, my hope on, on the, on the subject of senior and COA is that at least a few people take some of the, some of the information we have, right? i it might be emotional at times. I, I call it passion. That's what everyone that's emotional says. But I feel is I feel is what my, my my conduct is and the way I perceive things is being right inherently, because if you go back home and ask any of my airmen, they all know Master Sergeant Davis is an asshole, but he's a loving one. And I take care of them in every breath that I take when I go when I go to work. And even at home, right? I'm willing to do anything for them So yeah,
0: you got that purpose. Yeah. No, I think that shines through and I think I think a lot of us are gonna walk away from this course with that the most valuable piece is that crosstalk yeah. the learning about the, the greater uh, things in the air force because we we do tend to get stovepiped you know like i live in my little bubble yeah but this, that's why i love like one of the best things about doing a podcast is we have been branching out outside of our bubble a little bit and i, I think it's fascinating i love it yeah. so this, this is really more like just for me yeah you know, less for them i don't care if they get anything out of yeah. it yeah no, i hope they
1: do i hope, I hope somebody yeah, yeah, does are yeah. probably this nerd, this do. aircraft No, yeah. it.
0: no it's awesome um we're getting towards the end. I want to circle back. So, like we went, we did kind of like your career ish yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, the very beginning, Brian Davis, eighteen years old. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like from I, you know, I don't want to put everything out there, but like what, what it, where you came from? Why you joined the Air Force? Like what led you into this this crazy life?
1: Yeah, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, or Flowood, a little suburb of Jackson, Mississippi, the capital flow wood that's what we used to call it. <laughs> right. So Jackson Mississippi is the capital of, of, of the great state of um, the southeast of Mississippi the great state of the southeast. so it's like I'm sounding like Texas <laughs> <Either>. but I got a compound pump the break yeah. but uh, no, I was a uh, freshly graduated high school had zero idea where I wanted to go in life. I was good with my hands. I wanted to weld initially. I was getting I was either leaving quitting, so quitting and leaving, same thing. We're getting fired from jobs, really, at like a like a very fast pace. It like it. was it. I was running out of places in Flowood, Mississippi, to get hired at.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, one day I went to a welding uh, shop, and they said, no, we're not hiring, man. Just come back two months from now. And, um, oh. I took a right off from Airport Road onto what we call Lakeland Drive. Uh, and I looked over, and I saw the Air Force office. And I said, you know what? My mom and dad have always <coughs> talked to me. Yeah. They said, hey, go work on aircraft. So it keyed in my brain. I went in and the rest is history. So I was uh, I, I, my uh, then girlfriend, now wife of 17 years, was uh, ended up being uh, with child, um, uh, which is now my beautiful 16-year-old daughter who uh, works at old McDonald's, <laughs> recently started. It's a rite of passage. Rite of passage. Yes, yeah, she smells like fries and other uh, unspeakable things <laughs> of, that involve McDonald's every night, but that's fine. Yeah, it makes me not want to eat McDonald's at all ever again. But yeah, that's that's what came to be is, is I didn't have a purpose. And I'm, I'll tell you, man, I don't ever – anytime someone says they're doing four years and getting out, six years and they're done, good. I, I congratulate that. I, I, I absolutely side with Chief Bass on that is I want you to get this experience and go out and be a, a very credible and reliable citizen of the United States and spread the word of the Air Force. Hopefully, it's a good experience. Yeah. Um, But do something, get something out of the Air Force, because the Air Force is going to ask a lot of you, get something out of the Air Force, school qualifications, savings account, something. Yeah. So definitely do not regret my time in the Air Force. I love it. I I love the people. I love the aircraft and I love our mission. So,
0: I mean, I almost don't want to ask the last question because that was so fantastic. Uh, But we always ask uh, one piece of advice for folks that are thinking about joining.
1: Be open-minded. That's, that, it. that's be, it. Be be open-minded to um, to understand that it, it is at the end of the day a, a huge opportunity to be able to serve your nation. Uh, don't go into a recruiter's office and say I'm gonna get this job because it just doesn't it doesn't happen unless you want to be a special tactics airman. Uh, they will put you right into that or a linguist or some a few other high specialty jobs, but. Um, you know, there, there, there's a job for everyone, and like I said earlier, I want to. Co- I'm just going to circle back on it one time. Every job is valuable. I think I used the wrong word. It's just there's very, there's very, very important jobs, and there's jobs that are that, that are support functions. Um, but every job is is highly worthwhile and highly valuable. Um, you have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, we'll so, you'll, you'll get those skill sets out of it. Right? right.
1: Yeah. Be open minded. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think it's good because, you know, as you try to explain things, one of our our things is we try to be authentic, we don't, you know, script things out, I don't give you a list of questions, uh, because I think that's one of the the powerful things about this project is, like, this is what we actually think, like, we just sat down and started talking, so, so, man, I I really appreciate you sitting down. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's not that I haven't asked anybody else in the class, but Brian's the only one that said yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just kidding dude. I, yeah. I love it uh, thanks for listening um, like subscribe go check out our sponsors go to onesradar.com, get your merch and check things out leave us reviews and um, yeah catch y'all later friend hard